Welcome to Another Bite Side. I am Seamus Byrne, as always, and with me again today, I'm starting to get robotic, is <laughs> Nick Healy. How are you? I'm good. I, I'd love to say I've always been Nick Healy, but I'm sure there was a time when I wasn't. I don't know. I don't know. This is my lot in life now. I'm very well. I'm enjoying living in New South Wales, home of where police can just stop you on the road and say, are you shopping or not? <laughs> Yeah. Look, it does feel like the proper late capitalist moment when the police can ask you if you are shopping. Look, it is a wild, wild world. Of course, you know, they are trying to keep us home as much as we can. That is the sensible thing. I think the greatest advice so far that I've heard is if you don't need to be out of your house, please don't be out of your house. And there's a lot that we can do in our houses at the moment. Let's be honest. Yeah. And look, I loved, uh, is it Peter Doherty? The, um, Australian Nobel Prize winning chemist or, you know, one of those kind of epidemiologists. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, he was like about the third time I've seen a hardcore medical professional point out. He said the best advice he's seen is to go around acting like you have it. So it's not that all these rules are about avoiding, uh, catching it, but it's like if you can get yourself into the headspace that you do not want to give it to other people then that can also even just kind of improve all those things in your own mind of like avoiding touching things and stuff like that because it's it's now about you know sometimes sometimes that external motivation can be better than internally motiva- <laughs> motivating ourselves to not catch it and of course most people who are spreading it it's because they don't even know they have it yet so yeah. it's a good mind space to try to get to it is and uh, echoed by our premier just this week um now so as we i think we discussed last week i'm still regarded as an essential service so i'm out of the house i'm leaving the house each day uh you're not no <laughs> I get to stay home. Look, I, I'm a contractor who works remotely most of the time anyway. I have no excuses for leaving the house. Um, I did leave the house yesterday for my birthday. Um, I promise I consumed uh, items. Uh, I purchased things. <laughs> um, and look, I even made sure that when, because uh, yesterday was my birthday, um, that uh, we sang happy birthday twice to make sure that we gave ourselves appropriate time to wash our hands. That is very um, important. During the process. Very, very important. We're just doing our part, just doing our part. But yes, yeah, so um, one of the things that we have started doing here in my house is because, of course, it is content time, right? Like it, <laughs> there has never been a better time to binge the hell out of everything that you love um, or catch up on shows you've missed. Um you know, I would highly advise people to work through all those items you have on your wish list in all the different services and actually get around to watching them because it's kind of like when the old days of the video shop, you'd sort of sit there and think, oh, I'm totally, I'm totally going to watch all these things. And then you end up just going to the new release section and. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Of course you do. Or you just go straight back for Cull the Conqueror. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and. Well, yeah, it's, we're not that, yeah, I, I'm like, oh God, that's a bit old. Where you go, oh, and like there used to be even almost like a library thing where sometimes they'd have a marking inside the tape of, you know, the kind of the stamping out, not just the digital systems that came in later. And you'd be like going, yeah, yeah, I, I'm like the person who rented this the last eight times as well. So, <laughs> um, but. To get to my point, mm. so I actually, you know, it feels like the right time where people can forgive themselves and just be subscribed to every damn service on the planet, right? I think most There's, people are. Yeah. And 
I actually have felt like it's actually the perfect time to test out a theory I've been meaning to test for a long time, which is to actually more actively unsubscribe from anything, uh, basically every time I subscribe. So this is the system we came up with, and I think okay. I'm going to write a whole piece about it because I think this is really already, I think, proving that it's going to work really, really well. And again, other, you know, other times in life, it's probably going to work even better. But even right now, in the thick of all this happening, what I've done is in February, I went through and I hit the unsubscribe button on every single video service that I'm attached to. Um, the, wow. the exception basically being Amazon Prime Video because I already have that subscription in place for other reasons. So it's like that's the freebie I get because I use other Amazon services mm-hmm. anyway. So, you know, that's kind of that one where you go, oh, even if everything else was somehow magically off, I could always jump back onto that one. But with that proviso, um, yeah, the big thing has just been realizing, you know, because, of course, everything stays active until the end of the subscription period. I'm not sure if everybody kind of has caught onto that basic idea before, but, you know, when you hit unsubscribe, it doesn't immediately stop you using the service. No, it doesn't. So it puts the date on the end of it. And it's like, okay, this will stop on the 25th of March or whatever the date might have been. And then I just go about using everything and I'm not trying to be careful. I'm not trying to, you know, do a clever dance between services, um, which yeah, I'm sure you could do if you wanted to. But again, I'm just trying to test out what does it work like if you're not even thinking about it, but you just make sure you hit that unsubscribe button the second you resub. And so far I've noticed that with Netflix, we did run into that sort of thing where we suddenly went, oh, geez, yeah, we forgot that had, that had expired. And I realized it, it was about a three day window after it had expired before we then tried to watch something again. Mm. And I feel like suddenly you go, even, you know, just the super quick napkin maths version of that is that over the course of a year, if most services, if I'm going to catch, let's say like a weekend, two or three days, and then suddenly be like, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten. All right, I'll just hit the button again to resub. And it absolutely took me less than two minutes because, again, I let it just save my credit card details like it usually has to be able to just <laughs> roll over anyway. Um, and it was not even two minutes to just kind of go, okay, yep, 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 put me back on that plan. Yep, great, good. Okay, now I'll just go into the other menu and hit unsubscribe again. Great, all good. And then... That's it. I was done and we were watching the show. And I feel like if across every single service you saved one month a year, just in that three days here and there, then, you know, you probably have, you know, somewhere between probably 70 and 100 bucks back in your pocket, maybe even more than that, even if it's just, yeah, one month on everything, given everything nowadays is probably anywhere between 10 and $20. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it just feels like it's going to be a really worthwhile thing to do. And it isn't really an imposition. This is really interesting. So work with me here. What was the, you said the experience of resubscribing was quick, but yep. were there any inconveniences? Had you lost, um, say if you'd been halfway through a TV series, has it forgotten where you were? Anything like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So Netflix, definitely not. And this is definitely going to be something that I keep an eye on across ah. all of the things. Cause it, it partly made me wonder, you know, when I first did it, I was like, are we going to run into intentional roadblocks to kind of make it annoying enough that you never want to go through it again? <laughs> um, so with Netflix, uh, they even actually say that if you resubscribe within 10 months, then all of your 
uh, you know, all of your details and settings are still going to be held in place. That's crazy. Yeah. So, you know, that's really nice. Haven't run into Stan's kind of uh, experience yet. I mean, it might even be that, you know, we've run out right now. I just haven't noticed yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, really the big ones are going to be sort of Stan, uh, Disney Plus, uh, which, you know, I, I'm quite sure we're, I'm probably most of a week into the end of that. Um, having wrapped up and I haven't noticed because it hasn't, <laughs> there's been basically nothing. Look, if I had very small children, I'm sure Frozen 2 would be on high rotation right now, given the kids are home. Um, but yeah, so far, just at least with the Netflix option, it was like 10 months you could go before they delete your settings. Um, so yeah, so far, I think really promising. And Again, I'm like, I feel like at a minimum, I feel like there's probably a good 50 bucks in your pocket there over the course of a year if you just press those buttons. Disney Plus is the one. You know, you were talking about, I'm like, oh, no, I use everything. Then you mentioned Disney Plus. I'm like, oh, that's right. I do have a subscription to that, (laughs) which I have not used since. I'm just working this out now. Mandalorian? New Year's Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New Year's Day when I lay on a couch feeling incredibly sorry for myself and watched nothing but Disney Plus, it must be said. <laughs> like literally nothing, including both national treasures. Cause I was, oh, yeah. oh. no, I was not feeling good about myself that day. Yeah. But look, I really feel like, like, cause it's in that moment when you're subscribing anyway, right? Mm. The very first time it's like, if you just try to make it that habit, like, so the only habit you have to start is go through the first time and hit the unsubscribe button. And then after that, it's like, oh, yep, you'll browse the stuff because most of them as well, they have, you know, when they're first trying to draw you in, they want you to browse and they're often happy for you to start setting up your wish list stuff before you've even paid Mm. because that helps you to start going, oh, there is a bunch of stuff I want to watch. I do want to subscribe to this. Yeah. And so just making sure you go in and hit that unsub button and then just keep using them normally. But so often I think we kind of will probably go a few months where we're just using Netflix or we're just using, you know, because it's like, oh, okay, we're watching all of Jack Ryan at the moment on Amazon. So, like, let's kind of, you know, that's the the powering through something for a week. And then you might not even notice through that entire week, maybe there's two weeks, you know, like right now we're about to start going through Star Trek Next Generation, um, bring the kids into that because it's like, okay, I'm really keen to catch up on Picard, you know, and that's over on Amazon, <laughs> but Next Gen is on Netflix. Uh. Um, and so, you know, I found a really good rundown. Uh, Paul Verhoeven actually did a nice little tweet where he had a bunch of, you know, his suggestion for the episodes you should watch from Next Generation to be up to speed for Picard. Um, and I was like, cool, that's kind of a good way to, because, you know, I remember back in the day, when I first watched Next Gen, I didn't kind of follow it religiously week to week, and it had a good story of the week kind of vibe to it most of the time. You could just sit down and watch yeah, it. for sure. Good show, great. Um, but as a good way to kind of bring them into it, enjoy kind of a bunch of key episodes, and then we can always cycle back and, you know, watch more in depth. So it's like, cool, we're going to next couple of weeks smash through those. Um, alongside that, we're currently catching up on Australian Survivor, um, which is on nine now, so I don't have to pay for that. Um, also watching American Survivor, bloody good season of that right now, I have to say, because <laughs> it's um it's twenty all time winners of Survivor going at it, because it's been around for twenty years now, if you can believe it. No, I can't. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's like we've got plenty of stuff right now that we are very actively trying to get through. You know, next gen, two different Survivor shows. Um, 
it will probably be two weeks before we click on something that isn't Netflix or, you know, a free Channel 10 or Channel 9 service that's built into um, our Apple TV. So, yeah, um, I think that combo, I just really feel like there's always going to be those phases where you are smashing through something on purpose um, and then you'll remember when you flick on that other thing, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I unsubscribed. Cool. Click, 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 click. Um, now I've resubscribed and just remember to hit unsubscribe again every time you do it and it's easy. Look, a couple of things on this note, uh, none of which actually relate to the point you were trying to make, so do excuse me for a second. <laughs> it's all right. No one cared about season-long arcs until Babylon 5 came along. It's the one that I think, you know, everyone goes, oh, Deep Space Nine did it. No, Babylon 5 did it first, and I will go to yeah. my grave demanding that. The other thing is I was about to uh, give you a bit of a tease over watching so many Survivors when I remembered that my favourite reality TV show, Top Chef, is back on finally. So I'm obsessed with that again, <laughs> watching it week to week. So I've got no leg to stand on. I think, you know, uh, do you subscribe to um, YouTube? Um, we do. We do have yeah. a paid sub. Yeah. yeah. So that is the one I, I decided I was going to block, uh, sorry, unsub from that, um, uh, last month or, you know, over a month ago now, cause it's just resubbed yeah. me. And I was like, yeah, I don't need it. Uh, I'm just wasting the money on it. Boy, oh boy, that is the one I wish I, I will never try unsubscribing from that again. I did not realize just how many ads are uh, in YouTube movie, uh, YouTube yeah. shows, and, and just any clip. I didn't realize just how infuriating it was if you don't subscribe. And they even like mid roll that oh, stuff. Oh, I did not know that. I honestly yeah. have been subbed in for so long. I think I got three months free with a Pixel phone once, and I just let it keep going. And uh, I did not know that if you're watching something over about ten minutes, you get a mid ad now. Yeah, and never and in a like, good spot. Yeah, exactly. It just throws it in. <laughs> it's like yeah, mid-sentence, suddenly you've got to watch 10 seconds of ad. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, we started watching, um, just for more tragic viewing, uh, we started watching, uh, what's it called, Pooch Perfect, the uh, oh, show God. that um, Rebel Wilson hosts, the <laughs> reality show about dog grooming, because Emily was super keen to watch it. Um, and But it's been really fun. Yeah, so I'm not going to pretend I'm somehow being forced to watch it. It's been really fun. Um <laughs> But the very first episode, they did not get like because you like a t- particularly a broadcast TV show. There are cr- appropriate spots. You know, it was designed to have ad breaks. Mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. are appropriate spots. Fade out, fade in, ad slot right here. And somehow they just completely screwed up the oh. positioning of those markers <laughs> on the very first episode. So you'd have the kind of fade in, fade out moment. And you're like, oh, I guess there wasn't an ad running there. And then, like, it might be literally as, like, there was one of them where a judge is about to tell somebody that they're going home and it was like, uh, here's an ad. (laughs) And you're like, I get that they design the tension sometimes, but this is just ridiculous. Look, this is really similar to this, but we spoke last week about the NBN and um, some of the changes we'd seen, some of the backbone changes that were coming through that were being passed on to retailers. Yeah. It got me thinking. I had a bit of a look this week about whether I need to change plans because my plan's obviously been very comfortable for me. We've got two people in the house now. I know the NBN's under a lot of pressure. I'm, um, oh, I'm with Aussie, um, just to put it out there. They were people yep. who were recommended to me. Um, when I moved to Dubbo, that's who I signed up for. And I thought maybe I'll go up a speed plan. Now, what I really appreciate here, and I think there'd be a lot of, I hope there's a lot of retailers doing this. 
rather than just jump myself up a speed because I'm on fibre to the node, not the premises, I actually contacted Aussie, just sent him an email saying, look, you know, I've been thinking about going up one tier in terms of speeds. Will I actually notice a difference though? I got an email back from one of their customer service guys, Jason, who said, I've actually run a few tests on your line. You probably won't see a speed change. I don't recommend you going up a speed tier. That's lovely. That is incredible customer service to me. Yeah. Like absolutely amazing. It matches a bit of the, you know, like where, well, I mean, I guess it's kind of an opposite thing, but where Telstra has just decided rather than even entertaining the question, we're not even going to sell 100 megabit plans anymore on on nodes because I guess they're sick of people wanting the speed and not being able to get it. Or, you know, maybe they get 70 or 80, but they're complaining because they're not getting the full 95-ish or whatever they might get. Um, and then just like, screw it. We're just not even going there anymore. Um, I think it feels like a more active participation <laughs> when they offer you the option. But then that's, yeah, really great to go. We'll test your line and tell you what we think. That's Look, I, really I was good. really impressed because I think a few people are going to be changing plans. I think there's a, we're even going to see some churn when it comes to providers during this moment. You know, you and I have said it multiple weeks in a row now. We are looking at an unprecedented use on that kind of NBN network from right around the country uh, with applications that were rarely used on home things. You know, people weren't sitting at home doing video chat very often. I know video uh, chat manufacturers and developers would love to think that people were, but they just weren't. Yeah. Now we are, and we're using it for business applications at home. I'm wondering who the first uh, NBN provider is going to be who starts pushing people when they look at their usage model onto a business plan, not a residential plan. Oh. When's that going to start happening? Yeah. And look, you know, that was, I remember kind of, freaking out on behalf of someone when we uh, back when we were at CNET and somebody was signing up for a new uh, new plan. So I guess this was probably pre-MBN, but they mm. were signing up with a plan with one of the cheaper providers and and the deal was amazing. It was like, wow, how is this so cheap? And then they kind of showed me this, I mean, essentially stat deck they had to sign, which was a waiver that basically said, well, um, you agree that if like, anything harmful or bad happens because your internet breaks down or something goes wrong, that that's not our fault. What? And suddenly you're like, well, I guess I can understand now why they can make it so cheap. (laughs) They're like going, this is going to be a crappy service and you need to sign off understanding that the reason this is like $20 less a month than a comparable plan from someone else is because maybe there's five days a month where it's not going to work. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, oh, my God, do you, are you sure you want this plan now? Like, Because they were like, is this okay? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not kind of sure, but it does look like a pretty serious legal document, which suggests that they've got the lawyers to know that it's okay. Um <laughs> But then it's more like going, well, now you need to really think about if you want that plan because this is clearly, this is the trade-off. <laughs> that is dodgy as yeah. hell. And, and hang on, we haven't gone, you know, I know we normally park stuff to the end of the show when we go back over, over old things. You were doing this all via 4G last week. How did that get oh, yeah. sorted out? <laughs> oh, I forgot. So <laughs> so we were out for the rest of the day. Um the MBN came back overnight. Um, so, yeah, I think I had about um, – because it was around 1 p.m. that it went off. So it was probably – like basically 
I'm laughing at myself here because I was such a sad case all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I had the MBN page open. Once the MBN had admitted there was a fault, so then INET was able to sort of go like, okay, yeah, look, the best way you're going to know what's going to happen from here is to watch that MBN page now because there's an admitted fault. They've got text working on it. When that clears up, then just reset your modem and you're good to go. And I probably refreshed that page every 10 minutes for the rest of the night. Um, it was very sad. Um, and look, I could have done better things with my time, but I had things I really, really did want to watch that night. Yeah. No, it's important. Really important. Yeah. So <laughs> I could have read a book. I mean, I could have done all sorts of things. Um, but it came back the next day. Um, everything was fine from there. But the big one that, you know, I will admit to was, you know, I, so when I moved to the MBN and it's now been, I'd say about three years, um, I managed to sort of move over. I stayed with INET because I had used them for ADSL. I stayed with them because I just felt like in the calculation of things, moving provider at the same time as moving from ADSL to MBN, um, I was like, you know what? I'll stick with the same provider. Mm. And then it, it was, I feel like it was partly very smooth because they were like, yep, yeah, we'll switch off your ADSL when we know that the MBN is working. And you know, there was still a kind of a couple of days, of course, where like lines have to get changed over and things, but it was pretty seamless kind of off the tail end of that, that um, I was out for a very minimal amount of time compared to what I feel like could be the case where, you know, your old provider who doesn't give a crap about you now because you're moving to someone else, they look just like going, yeah, that's the end date. And if the MBN appointment changes, then we don't care. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that felt like the right way to do it. Um, and now though I am off contract and... In that intervening time, you know, TPG bought INET. And one of the big things that INET used to be great with was I could, you know, if I rang up for a support request, then they put you in a queue, but then they do a callback. Ah, and I so love a callback. And so essentially they go, it's going to be about 50 minutes, but we'll call your phone when you're next in the queue. And so then you're not sitting there and hold. That went away when TPG took over. It probably lasted a little while, but yeah, that was... Clearly one of the cost savings. Who knows why that's even a cost saving, but that was one of the things that they changed. And that really pissed me off in that moment when I really wanted help. Um, Twitter was helpful and that was great. Um, but I called, you know, I literally, I tweeted, I rang support and I tried to go to online support all at once. Um, you know, I got some tweets back, which were helpful. The, yeah, the phone call was about an hour. Um, and I did stay, you know, in the end, I just stayed on the line, partly out of curiosity, um, but also, you know, I was like, okay, there's there's so, only so much someone can tell me in a tweet. Is there anything else? You know, once I got through, I was like, is there anything else you can tell me about the problem? How, you know, what should I watch for from here? All that jazz. Um, and I never got through on the online chat. It actually told me I was like about 150 people deep in the queue. And by the time an hour later, when my phone call got through, I was about 80th in the queue for online chat. So that's quite remarkable in terms of how their online chat was set up. That is, uh, yeah, wow. I mean, yeah. remarkable is a polite way of putting that, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, long story short, um, I am pro, I'm feeling like based on recommendations and stuff that I'm going to, going to try Aussie because yeah again I'm at that point where I'm like I know from here it's going to be seamless to swap I just haven't bothered because nothing has gone wrong and in that moment that was just that little kind of reminder you know that itch to go okay yeah yeah I should probably just swap 
Um, so yeah, I'm going to, you know, look into the details. And again, I think one of the big things about that sort of swap over that's always worth pointing out. And I wish this was different. I did check online and I'm not wrong that the whole CVC thing, right? With the mm. NBN. So mm. that's where what's it called? The something virtual circuit. I can't remember what the first C stands for. I'm sure I could look it up in a minute. Um, but the whole idea with that is that each provider is essentially buying their, you know, virtual, um, virtual series of tubes to go with the old analogy. Um, oh, it's not a dump truck, it's a series of tubes. <laughs> you know, if it's a reference from a, uh, a Bush era presidency, you know, it's a good one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, this guy, um, like, yeah, with the CVC stuff, you've got, um, Every provider invisibly, and this is the bit that's crap, they don't have to say this in front of people, but they're essentially paying for a ratio of traffic per user. Mm. And so, and they pay for that at each point of interchange, which is that other kind of crazy part of the whole system of the MBN um, is, you know, all these different places around the country where people's kind of traffic gets put onto the final backbone. Um, every reseller is paying for an amount of bandwidth essentially at each of those locations. And they calculate that. Well, you know, they kind of will quietly be internally calculating that based on their own group of customers. And so that means if they have like, you know, one company might be paying for, you know, actually only 70 megabits of maximum traffic per user you know, through one location. Someone else might be paying for 20 megabits maximum, kind of knowing that, well, it's all going to be spread out, you know, so we won't overpay. And, you know, no doubt, they're businesses. They need to kind of calculate this stuff carefully. But you really feel like this should be something that is public knowledge that people could use as that comparison because everybody is selling the same thing when they're selling the MBN, except that is that one key detail I mean, alongside, I guess, customer support and things like that, mm. but that is a key detail. That is a very clear numeric piece of information that could be made public um, that would help people choose between providers. It, it's been quite interesting too because it's been a bit of a man-behind-the-curtain moment. No, I mean, I'd never heard of connectivity virtual circuits way before any of this came about, and now it's all we're kind of worried about. Yeah, and look, I think um, – yeah, I really sort of feel like, you know, and I know, look, you know, Trevor Long's always a good one for this because he's a, quite often a very big defender of the version of the MBM we got. Um, and I'll kind of rub heads with him, you know, bang heads with him a lot, uh, around sort of that sort of stuff. But, you know, he made a sort of a, a good comment about this, which was that, you know, when Telstra is sitting there asking people like, geez, people might need to be careful about how much uh, internet they use and maybe they should, you know, ration it better around their household, that he's like, Telstra could just buy more CBC, like, because the backbone of the MN is probably not saturated. And so a lot of this discussion from Trevor's perspective, he's like, I feel like a lot of people are just trying to use this as an excuse to not up their CVC in the first place. And I mean, part of last week's discussion was that the NBN was like, here, everybody can have like 40% more CVC for free um, to help cope with this. But you're like, this is something that, yeah, as individuals who sell a service and that service on their end is paying for this virtual circuit, then some of them might be intentionally being dodgy in the first place and then just try to blame the NBN. No, it would not shock me, let's be honest. 
Yeah. So, look, I think it's definitely in that sense worth shopping around, but that's kind of that hard part with all this is that the design of the MBN is that we don't even know whose fault some things are, <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, it's one where, you know, I don't know. I wish that could be a public piece of information, um, but it is co- technically considered commercial in confidence. So we don't get to know, but Aussie publicly publishes their CVC. So that is one of those other things where you're like, th- there is a, a really positive mark in any, uh, any company that is like going, you know what? We're going to say in public, uh, how much we're buying because we feel like this is something that people should have to compete on. And at the very least, you're like, well, you know, if that transparency suggests that, they probably are doing the right thing by customers and are then you know, going, hey, anybody else, feel free to to show us your numbers because we feel like we're doing the right thing. And I'm hoping that more and more people do. Um, yeah. We should probably talk about some of the things we're doing with the NBN at the moment. RPGs over the net. Yeah. Well, you know, the old school RPGs, of course, was when you went around to a mate's house or, you know, got together with, you know, couples you haven't seen for ages and pretended you were elves in a forest for ages and ages. We just don't get to do that anymore. I've actually been playing an online RPG, um, just via, uh, oh, what's it called? Roll 20 and, uh, Zoom oh, yep. chat for a bit over a year now. And that's been really, really effective. And I've been kind of been enjoying other people getting on board with this now out of necessity. Have you played any yet? So, yeah, just this past week, we started setting up a game with some old mates. Um, we used to play together, you know, around a table a lot. Um, even sort of when my kids were young, they used to come over. So it's just more that when we all moved apart, um, that it, it slowed down. Yeah. Though hilariously, for a long time, one of the players, um, did used to Skype in from Melbourne for a long time. And we used to set up, um, my iMac at one end of the table. And so he would be sitting. <laughs> as a head at one end of the table. And, you know, I remember our, our son as a fairly young toddler at the time just used to always talk, talk about Uncle Rom the computer head. Uncle Rom the computer head is fantastic. <laughs> so that was always great. But, yeah, so now um, starting to explore it properly. Um, I had an account with Fantasy Grounds, um, which is software available through Steam or through mm. their own website, um, and I found it sucked so hard. It was awful. Um, and this is just in the last week trying to test this stuff to make it happen. Fantasy Grounds has been around for a long time, but they, they charge real money for this software. Like it is a proper piece of software. Um, but it has been up and like, yeah, technically it gets updated and things, but it, it feels like a piece of software that belongs on Windows 95. Um, it has like, Remember what is it? Um, we used to talk about a lot in the early days of the iPad, skeuomorphic design, you know, oh, where it was no. like things on screens that are meant to look like something that isn't on a screen. Oh. Uh, so it has all these kind of like wood paneling and things going on and, you know, and your cursor changes shape depending on what you're clicking on, but it doesn't really feel like it's precise. Oh man. It, and like, well, and the biggest thing that was a problem with it was we just couldn't. Uh, everybody couldn't connect because it was set up on a kind of host server system so that literally I was hosting, like everybody was connecting to my computer. It wasn't cloud-based. Um, that's helpful. So, that's nice. Sorry? I said that's helpful. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very old school. <laughs> um, but look, I like I just wanted to be clear about why 
we really were displeased by Fantasy Grounds. I can see why people have used it for a long time and have got it working perfectly, really love it, because um, like one cool thing in its chat system that it has is particularly for, you know, for D&D type play, like, and it supports all sorts of tabletop games, not just D&D. But in that context, we noticed that you could, in chat as the DM, I could type in Infernal and it would translate it into Infernal script, which looks cool. Um, but then only the players whose characters are um, proficient in that language would be able to read the translations. And it was just a cute That's kind wild. of a system that is you know, to have wild. in that mix. Uh, and, of course, they could then choose whether or not they bother translating it for other players. Um, but just little things like that where you go, oh, that's actually a really nice feature. So it had things that other game system, like other systems don't have, but we also ended up landing on Roll20 because, man, it is so easy. Um, and I noticed you mentioned that you use Zoom alongside it mm. because, I mean, Roll20 has a built-in chat system, but like video chat, but we also did find it was a bit flaky and didn't quite, like we would have times where three people could hear one of the people, but other two people couldn't hear that person. And so you'd keep hitting the reconnect button, which it had very prominent, which clearly meant they know that sometimes the connection can flake. <laughs> um, and so we also ended up sort of switching it out and we started using house party as our sideline chat system um now house parties come up in a few chats with me a couple of times but i've not actually explored it but it, i think in the wake of the new um you know the new world we live in more and more people have been mentioning it to me yeah and right it always seems like yeah the real world equivalent of like which local pub do you frequent yeah um because it's like oh well i guess in the end we need accounts on all of them because like Oh, like those four mates really, really love hanging out on house parties. So I need to have a house party account to make sure I catch up with those friends now and then. Um, but everybody else is over here at the big bar using Zoom a bit more. <laughs> so like, yeah, of course I need a Zoom set up properly as well. Um, so <laughs> there's definitely a bit of that back and forth. I'm like interesting that house party late last year was bought by Epic Games. Um, and mm. I think it had already started to do things like integrate some game content into itself. I think there's a trivia game and some other bits and pieces. So it's kind of interesting that it has opted to not, I mean, not again, we are not using it for any of those sorts of extras. Um, though we did notice with house party, if you click on somebody's face, you can send them a private message, which is very handy for role-playing games. Yes. Um, yeah. So you can just type something straight at that person. And then you've got a little kind of private, but you know, instead of having to sort of remember to open up a separate, you know, chat window or something, it's like right there on their face. You just click and then you can type something just to that person. Um, so nice little feature that is very handy for the role playing stuff as well. But yeah, roll 20 so clever. Um, I don't know. I mean, you said you've been using it for a long time. I've just kind of gone through the tutorials on it because I'm going to be, um, the DM for this game <laughs> and so much clever stuff with like, fog of war and dynamic lighting and all this stuff so that, you know, if you're sending people into a bar or a dungeon or something that it can help manage what they can and can't see in a way that you just can't really do easily on a, you know, on a tabletop itself. Well, I've got to say, we're using the most basic 
features of it, and I am loving it. So basically for storage of characters, we're playing Burning Wheel, which is a, a wildly complex game in its own way. And um, I find that Burning Wheel, sometimes the uh, the mechanics of the game trip up the game itself. So you tend to find scenarios where you don't need to be rolling or doing anything, which yeah, is actually right. quite inventive and fun. So we're mainly using... Uh, storage for character sheets and the dice rolling function. And that's really about it. Everything else happens just face to face, old school RPG via the Zoom, um, chat, but it's been working. We've been doing this with at one point four different time zones around the world that people were coming in from for each game, uh, juggling that, you know, whether it was me on the West Coast, someone on the East Coast, someone else who was in America at the time, someone else who was in Jakarta. We somehow made that all work. It's been a blow to fun. I am really keen to maybe kick off another game if I can find time. But here's where the tricky thing is. I don't know where to begin sourcing something like that. And that's what I, I – we need, in a weird way, a matchmaker kind of system for RPGs, which is a lot more complex. You're talking about committing to to multiple kind of, you know, sessions at the very yeah. least. I would really love to see the next – good app that shows how to find people who match your kind of taste for gameplay. And like even just that idea of, because it's funny, it used to be, um, you know, a long time ago, like uh, right when all the dating stuff was first coming out, I remember even sort of thinking as someone who was happily married and all the rest that I'm like, I just love something like this that could help me just find some some <laughs> friend to hang out with for a drink. Like wow. like zero sexual connotations. Uh-huh. Just someone who has shared interests that I would hang out with because it's hard to make friends as an adult. So I like I could completely see that in this moment where we are all remote and that you you do sort of think, oh, I'd love to play like a game in that particular system. Like one thing I noticed on Roll Twenty is it supports shadow run dice rolls, um, mm. which was just like going, oh man, because it was quite a complicated system in that if you rolled a six, it was all six sided. And if you rolled a six, then you would re roll and add that on top. Um, and that would sort of help you to get higher success levels. Um, and had a whole system of like multiple, you know, you would, you would kind of, as you got better at a skill, it would give you more dice rather than necessarily more, you know, numeric values and things like that. But, um, it was really cool to see in that that it supported shadow run dice rolls as a kind of just as a category of going, yeah, click this button and you can just do shadow run rolls and it'll do all the calculations. And then it just shows you how many successes you rolled. Um, so really kind of clever stuff like that. But that of course made me think, oh man, I love shadow run. Ah, <laughs> oh, playing a game of shadow run would be so cool. And it's like, oh, the odds of me, you know, cause it's like, well, I've got this group of friends who are thinking, you know, yeah, we'll play that game. That's a once a week thing. Um, maybe, you know, we'll see how we go. Um, but you're right. Being able to sort of go, oh, I'd love to just put up the hand and go, who are some people? But like, I also want some secondary values, not just who wants to play shadow run, but I want to be able to kind of, almost audition them by going, and what other stuff do you like? And how do you like talking about stuff? Like, how weird are you? Um, do I want to make this commitment to hanging out with you over the internet on a regular basis? <laughs> I don't know how we get to an answer for that, but I'll tell you what, in the next six months, we will. Something like, just you know I, these are the things that are going to change it. You know, what is it? Um, necessity is I, the mother of invention. Correct. We well, are going to make this happen. Yeah. Um, look, while we're just talking video conferencing stuff, 
I had my first Zoom drinks catch up with people on Friday. Hey. It was amazing. Was it? it was actually really good. And of course, yeah, there were, can you hear me on the mic? All those kind of hassles. There's always going to be those teething issues. I loved it. Um, it, 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 I was worried it would not feel like connecting with friends and it 100% did. And, um, yeah. even got a little, little drunk and that was really nice. And, you know, we just talked <laughs> about the usual random stuff we'd talk about. Uh, I think the only thing is you can't kind of just, do that thing where you just talk to one person for a while while the conversation yeah. happens around you. You've got to be a little more mindful of the fact you're shouting at a whole group of people constantly. But we had a lot of fun doing it. I want to do it more regularly. And I, um, I guess it's just a bit relieving to know that you can be catching up with people that you don't get to see anymore if you were just willing to make a couple of little concessions. Yeah, and that is a really good point. I've heard that a couple of times lately as well. The whole the side the sidebar doesn't really sort of mm. exist so much. Or you know, you would have to very flagrantly choose to go <laughs> off for a one on one for a moment. Yeah. And hey, I mean that's sometimes that's the old school thing at a bar, right? You know, someone yeah. needs to go off into a corner for a DM D and M for a while. Um and that's fine, but it's very obvious. Whereas this is then suddenly like, Oh, um, where did they go? It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Um, yeah, but I think, um, it, it also reminds me just as a, a quick, uh, tangent. Um, I read, uh, what's his name? One of the guys who wrote, <laughs> literally wrote the book on remote working called Remote. Um, he's one of the founders of Basecamp, um, oh. uh, the company that makes like Ruby on Rails and all that stuff. But yeah, they've always been a remote working company and he wrote a great, super easy read on remote working. Uh, like I say, it's just called Remote. Well worth a look if you're, considering yeah reading more up on this stuff and getting better at it um but uh i saw him tweet the other day and it seems like it is probably something becoming overused in some workplaces uh because as he said he's like the um uh the best uh yeah was it the the next tool that is better than using zoom for video conferencing is having less video conferences (laughs) And he kind of said, if you're, if you feel like you're spending all day just in Zoom conference calls and not any time just kind of on your own getting work done, then you're doing video conferences wrong. And it's, I, I have no doubt that in the same way that so many workplaces hold way too many meetings, that there are probably already workplaces way overusing Zoom calls. And it's like, let's, let's make sure the ratio of Zoom calls is more in favor of us having a drinks catch up with friends <laughs> and only sometimes for those important work meetings, important work meetings, not random work meetings. This Zoom conference could have been an email. We're back yes. to there again already. Yes. <laughs> While we're just talking about the home um, video conferencing and everything like that, a really quick shout out to Audio Technica. Um, a great brand. I've talked about their headphones a lot back in my kind of reviewing days. They're actually giving away for free a lot of their microphones. You can just that's, go that's and amazing. pop an order in, and it's all about helping people who are home at the moment. There's, you can get little lapel mics if that's what you're after. You can get kind of more teleconferencing desk mics. Um, they're really simple ones, but they are available for free on their website. All you got to do is sign up, say where you are. Uh, they're going to go all through all those numbers later on and get those mics out to people. They've been fantastic. Back in my community radio days, um, we would do things like supporter drives. Audio Technica were huge supporters of us. They used to say that they had us on 
on in their warehouse. So they were really, really generous. Oh, cool. And I just love seeing them doing this. So I wouldn't normally give a big brand shout out, but this is just great. And I think yeah. a lot of people would get a lot of benefit if you are trying to shout in to the crappy microphone on your laptop or your uh, tablet at the moment. You yeah. might get a lot of love out of one of these. I, um, I've just clicked through to the link for the free thing and it looks like currently they are sold out of the, the three mics they're offering oh, for free. No. But I'm sure, like, it seems like, cause I haven't said that the offer is now closed or anything like that. So it might just be that, you know, the stock's run out. Um, so I'd say, yeah, people just keep double checking it because it might be that the stock comes back through. Cause like I say, they probably wouldn't have the, the link alive still if, uh, if it wasn't actually an active offer at the moment. So yeah. what a great offer. And that's, I've seen a few companies doing just such a good job on that whole idea of saying like here we will, you know, spread the love and you're like, it's, it's a cost. Um, but you figure hopefully it does start to kind of, you know, sell a few more people on the brand and um, you know, they figure down the line, they'll probably sell a few more products because people have fallen in love with it because it works really well. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. James yeah. Byrne, we should leave that there and let yeah. people get on with their day. Do this again in a week. Let us do it again in a week. Where can people find your stuff? You can get me at, at Dr. Nick. That is D-R underscore N-I-C. That's on Twitter or track me down on Facebook. It's just Nick Healy, N-I-C-A-G-A-L-E-Y. I'm um, at Seamus on Twitter and at Biteside on Twitter. <laughs> I'm like, which thing? Yeah. And Biteside <laughs> on Facebook, the Biteside on Instagram. And you can email us ask at biteside.com. Did I, did the word ask come out from Yeah, okay, anyway, fine. Ask it was absolutely fine. Yeah. Biteside.com. And we will see you again very soon. <laughs>